superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Dallas Cowboys to the second round. Adios, Thomas Brady. Big show tonight. Joined by none other than Colin Coward. You may have heard of him. He uh, owns the volume and uh, has a couple shows. So me and Colin talk a lot of football, obviously react to the game. Dak Prescott killing it. Some Tom Brady stuff, some other football stuff. A lot going on. Uh, If you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to my feed on the 3 and Out. If uh, you want to get in the mailbag, I threw a little mailbag on the end of the show. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. And yeah, we will have a show. What's today? This is going to be Tuesday show. We'll have another show later in the week, and we'll get you ready for the game. So uh, exciting times of football, and let's roll. Okay, what is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff here, three and out podcast, joined by Colin Coward, rocking and rolling. Hopefully, everyone's having a good night. Monday night football, the divisional round is set. But before we dive in, me and Colin, make sure you subscribe, like the Volumes YouTube page, make sure you subscribe to the uh, 3 and Out podcast. I want to tell you about my friends at GameTime. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app. And because of GameTime, when you download the app, just go to your app store, type in the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, get $20 off your first pair of tickets. I'm going to my first NHL game on Thursday night, never been to a hockey game. But because of them, I'm going to attend. I can't recommend it enough. Hockey, college basketball, the NBA, if you live in one of these NFL cities, concerts, anything that's going on in your surrounding areas, you want to take your son, you want to take your daughter, you want to take your buddy, you want to take your wife, download the Game Time app right now, fastest growing ticket app in America. Type in the promo code John, J-O-H-N, $20 off, very easy to do, can't recommend enough, Game Time, do it right now. Okay, Colin. Um, we now have, what is it? Eight teams set. We have the divisional round set. We had Monday night football, uh, two big brands, a lot of pressure on the Cowboys and you got to give the coaching staff and they'll start, I guess, with Dak, who was, you know, probably played one of his better games of his career. Yeah. I thought that was as good a performance as Dak's ever had. Um, my, my rule has always been a good quarterback has a lousy week. They'll bounce back. Um, these are pro athletes. You don't become a pro. I mean, Dak's never been a pro athlete because he has a beautiful arm, uh, because he's the twitchiest this or the most gifted that. He's a very driven, aspirational guy. He works really, really hard at his craft and doesn't need you know, a self-motivated guy. And when you play really bad for the Cowboys or any big profile team, you almost always bounce back. So I I like Dallas tonight. I thought Dak would play really well. I thought he had a drive, may have been at the end. I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. He had 11 straight completions at one point. Um, I thought he kind of gave his body up a couple of times tonight. Like it felt like, like Dak really understood. Um, it was big. Yeah, like the opposite of Kirk Cousins, who 
I, I felt even yesterday, you know, underneath throws, Dak was running out there, um, throwing, going head first, jumping in the defenders. It was like Dak really understood what it meant for him, the team, the Cowboys, and I thought he was terrific. I really thought Dak was as good as I've seen him as a pro. Yeah, I think sometimes him and Cousins get lumped in. You know, they're kind of that second-tier guy. Statistics sometimes parallel each other. But when you saw tonight, they get Dak on the move. Cousins doesn't have that in the bag. I mean, one of the reasons Dak, you know, he wasn't a great passer in college. It was athletic ability. And I think ever since the ankle injury, you get him on the move. I watched tonight thinking, you know, this is that player is a problem for the 49ers. If he's going to play at that level on the move, he's not. Yeah, he's never going to be Peyton Manning and Tom Brady from the pocket. But if you can mix up the play action stuff, obviously the play action touchdown he has other elements to his game that when you ask him to throw it 40 plus times from the pocket, that's when he gets in trouble. Yeah. I, I think Dallas, Dallas is an interesting matchup. They can put pressure on Purdy. The weakness of the Niners tends to be their O line, especially the center, right? So I yeah. think you can move Micah around Demarcus Lawrence. I think they can create um, a little discomfort for the 49ers. Uh, you know, Dallas now Dallas tonight played virtually flawless. So let's expect Dallas to not play as well next week. I mean, that's kind of, they're a highly emotional team. Many of their best players, Trayvon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, are very young players. They tend to be emotional. So they're a little hot and cold. They'll probably pull back next week. I expect the Niners to win. But I will say this. I I talked about this on my show today. Mike McCarthy took 100% of the PR beating in the divorce with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, three straight years, losing at Lambeau, outplayed by an old Tom, Goff, and Garoppolo in the fourth quarter. Mike McCarthy with a nearly flawless game plan tonight. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy didn't shouldn't shoulder some of the blame with Aaron Rodgers, but Matt LaFleur hasn't solved kind of the fourth quarter Aaron Rodgers, hasn't solved the playoff disappointment Aaron Rodgers. And here's McCarthy, 4-1 and one with Cooper Rush, 65% winner with Dak Prescott. We got to give Mike McCarthy a little respect. Like that was a hell of a performance tonight. Well, I wrote it down. The coaching, the Cowboys coaching staff was phenomenal offensively. Obviously he's an offensive guy, him and Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn's been interviewing for uh, head coaching jobs. The one thing that's interesting, right? This is the second year of the Monday night games. Well, last year, the Rams won the Super Bowl playing in the Monday night game, but they played at home. So tonight, the 49ers played on Saturday day, the first game. So they get the extra day on Sunday, and then they really get all day today. And even Kyle yes. mentioned, I'm going to be at home watching this game. We're going to prep for both. And I bet by about early on in that game, he told his coaches, let's just focus on Dallas. But now Dallas has to fly home tonight. I, you know, I'm not a math major here, but let's say 3, 4 in the morning, they get back to Dallas. Obviously, the players get tomorrow off, but the coaches are spent that they put they threw you know through the kitchen sink tonight. It's a lot, you know. It snowballs on you fast. Like you said, the players there might not be flawless, but now you got to get the coaches locked and loaded back. That to me is a pretty big disadvantage when you're the road team on Monday night and you end up playing, you know, a team that played on Saturday. That's a pretty big swing for rest. Yeah, um, I I think both the Giants and the Cowboys will come back down to earth against the Eagles and the Niners. Um, you know, I was I was laughing today about Daniel Jones. He had three games this year over 300 yards. Two were against the Vikings. And I was talking yeah. to an NFL coach uh, texting today, and he said he thought the Vikings' defensive coaching was abysmal. He said those schemes, they, they really, yeah. really – he echoed what Sean Payton said on my show today, which is they miss Mike Zimmer defensively, and – they do. So Daniel Jones with a pass rush, the inability to run with Saquon is going to come back down to earth. And I think the Cowboys with a two-day rest disadvantage probably come back down to earth. I, I, You know, Dallas's defense has some really spectacular players. I still contend it's not consistently a great defense. I agree. So, I, you know, listen, this is what's fun about the playoffs. I think the AFC is fascinating because now Cincinnati's missing three offensive line starters. Buffalo is now mistake prone. Uh, so it, it's, you know, I, I think the NFC, we see it as wide open. I think after this next weekend, it won't look nearly as wide open. 
Philadelphia and the Niners will look like far and away the best teams. Yeah, to me, if the Niners stay healthy and Jalen is just 90-plus percent, they feel like they're on a collision course. Before we dive into a couple other things, obviously, Tom, I've been saying for a while he's a shell of himself, not from his inability to throw, right? right? Breeze couldn't throw, Ben couldn't throw, Peyton couldn't throw at the end. Tom can still throw. I mean, hell, right until the end of that game, he was. you can see the arm strength. Yes. He wants no part of being hit. I don't blame him. He's 45 years old. I, I bet you go down ski slopes at, you know yesterday differently than you would have 30 years ago, right? Yeah. You just There's a risk factor. At his age, it makes no sense. But he can't play quarterback at a high level if he's not willing to stay in there because he's never been able to move. And that was always kind of a point of differentiation for him. He would stay in there and throw the dart at the last second. Right. And now he just won't. And, and let's face it, no matter any of the teams that have options, that no team has the mid-90s Cowboys offensive line. So he's going to get hit. That's part of the sport right now because well, offensive lines aren't that great. So I mean, what, what's he going to do? Miami feels like the fit to me because that's a distribution offense with a lot of good weapons. But... I was texting a friend tonight, and I said, you know, Tom needs to now cherry-pick teams without holes offensively. He no longer <laughs> elevates others, right? Yeah. Whereas, like when he went to Tampa, get me Tristan Wirfs, get me Lenny, uh, playoff Lenny, bring Gronk, get me A-B. The reality with Tom, like Brock Purdy, costs nothing for four years. I don't know. He's more, he's in his prime, Tom's not. He's more mobile. He's... um now he's gaining playoff experience. Like this idea that San Francisco is going to make a move on him. They got Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, and they're not paying either one of them anything. If you want to keep this defense, if you want to keep both those linebackers, if you want to keep all those D linemen, you got to save somewhere. And, you know, I think, I think to your point, Brady now no longer elevates. He needs protection. You can't have a bad right tackle with Tom. You, you can't look at their offense in the last three months. You have to have a run game. The Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert. Um, I mean, if you go look at statistically, the Chargers don't do anything well. And they took a 27-0 lead in a playoff game on the road. Like So I think, I think Miami looks like a good fit for Tom in terms of they kind of have offensively, they kind of have all the pieces, a lot of bubble screen guys, one over-the-top guy, tight end. That one, and it's the San Francisco system. Yeah. And San Francisco needs a quarterback that's upright and healthy 17, 18 weeks a year. When you look at the quarterbacks right now that are having success beside Brady, Cousins is the only guy probably in the top 12 who can't move. Every single guy can move. I mean, look at Purdy now. Obviously, Lawrence, Herbert, all the top guys, Burrow, Allen, you know, Rodgers, Mahomes. I mean, all these guys. Kyler went healthy. Lamar went healthy. This is a movement, you know, that, that position has dramatically changed in five years overnight. I mean, all these guys, there is not, none of these guys are coming in the league like that either, right? All the college quarterbacks are all really athletic. You talked to Sean Payton today, yeah. uh, went viral. It was, it was, I mean, that's about as candid of a coach ideal situation. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what was your big takeaway? Um, Sean's going to be very... Picky. I'm having dinner with him tomorrow. Sean's going to be very picky on jobs. I asked him a question on the air that I kind of knew the answer to, but I wanted him to say it. Um, I said, owner and quarterback really is what matters to Sean. Stable owner, top quarterback. So you can start eliminating a lot of people over the next three or four days. Arizona, adios. Uh, Houston. Um, See ya. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think it's, I think, you know, in my opinion, um, Carolina the Chargers, would they be gone? Well, the Chargers, if McVeigh would have left, that would have been interesting. The Chargers, Sean lives in Los Angeles and likes it a lot. But when I hear a lot of the reporting on where Sean would like to go, just ask yourself, owner, quarterback, he's not desperate. Sean's making a lot of money at Fox. Fox loves him. We're not moving off him. I mean, you know, selfishly, I hope he stays with us one more year because I've had so much fun talking to him. He's good. You know, looking at the Chargers pick, it's 21. Obviously, recording this, Brandon Staley's still employed. 
I mean, he was pretty candid today about it's going to take a first round pick. I mean, he's obviously boys with Mickey Loomis. One, could you see them? Could you see that coming together if they fire Brandon Staley? Not only paying Sean Payton, which is something the Chargers never did, and give I'd give a pick twenty one for him all day long. I mean, that's the easy part. Will they pay him twenty plus million dollars a year? Yeah, um, Jimmy Johnson, uh, the Spanos family, they offered Jimmy Johnson the job. And it's kind of well documented. Jimmy didn't want to live out west. Uh, Jimmy, you know, the Spanish like Miami, like the- yeah. And and Jimmy's a Miami guy. They came and offered Jimmy the whole thing. Uh, the the Spanos is, in, in, from what I've been told through the years, Jim Trotter mentioned this, and he's he's very accurate. Jim does a great job. He's very accurate. You know, the Spanos is they're not going to give power to, I mean, to one guy. They're you know. Dean son's a big it. part of it yeah sons are in the front office i know they're sons they're nice guys they're bright uh telesco they want everybody i mean remember when marty schottenheimer wanted a son on his staff and aj smith the gm said no and they you know yeah so um this is an organization where they don't want one person having all the power and i do think sean really works with telesco sean is passionate and intense and telesco is um uh, very capable, very emotionally um, capable of dealing with a, a live, passionate coach. Um, so I, I think Sean would be perfect. You know, my guess is they stay with Brandon Staley. Um, you know, they went from like nine wins to 10 wins. Um, you know, I heard somebody two weeks ago I that I trust, I asked about Staley. And I, I voiced my concerns on... I think he's smart. I don't think they do anything particularly great. Run the ball, get turnovers. They're not a great second half offense or defense. What's their identity? And, you know, Staley, like a lot of young, smart coaches, um, can, I think, get a little stubborn. I've heard a tad stubborn on what he believes. Now, they did talk him out of some of these analytic decisions this year, but he clearly rolled that back a little bit this season. Yeah. I just worry that two years in, what are they? Dable, Mike McDaniel, Doug Peterson, Doug Kevin O'Connell created an identity in six games. I agree. Brian Flores, who got fired in Miami, but six games in, you were like, wow, that defense and those special teams, we're two years in now. What do the Chargers do exceptionally well? I just think in action when you have a talent at a quarterback is every year you waste with that guy. And I, Herbert could have played a little bit better in that game, but you have the chance to be something special. I mean, you play you play with the Chiefs right now as is. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate Within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Looking to get more out of this NFL season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back 
if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. I, I got a quote for you because I know you love the wiring of the quarterbacks. I saw Kittle talk to Peter King and on Purdy, and he said, failure is a big part of learning to play quarterback in this in the NFL. And Brock had success and failure in college. So nothing is really unknown to him since he's got here. He understands. And and you see some of these quarterbacks that get to the NFL and have a lot of success. Patrick Mahomes failed a lot in college. Josh Allen, up and down roller coaster in college. Joe Burrow had to leave a college, right? These guys aren't just going to Alabama or Ohio State and winning it all and just getting the job from the jump, go through ups and downs. Because I, I... what what he's doing obviously is unprecedented, but when you really dive in and look, beside his size, all Big Twelve guy, first team twice, second teamer his sophomore year, so a lot of success, and it it didn't all go perfect. Had a great year, and then a senior year it didn't go as well. So mentally, you watch him talk, you go, God, this guy kind of feels like he talks like a quarterback, like he's not. It's not too big for him. Well, the thing I really noticed, John, the not two things that jump out. And this is, first of all, tells you how good Kyle Shanahan is. Hiddle, fifth round. Jennings, sixth round. Elijah Mitchell, sixth round. Purdy, seventh round. Name another offense in the league that has this many late round, like, highly productive players. Kyle's brilliant. That's first thing. This system can take guys. Now, Kittle would have starred anywhere. I don't think the yeah. other guys would. The second thing is... Matt Campbell's a very good football coach at Iowa State. If Harbaugh left, he would be a finalist for Michigan. They were very good with Purdy. He left. They were awful this year. Now, timeout. So they were recruiting on the success with Purdy. The recruiting's gone up. Campbell's a good yeah. coach. The Big 12 was not very good. And Iowa State was awful. Maybe Brock Purdy is Romo or Kurt Warner. He was just... um either under-scouted or overlooked that, like when I watch him, the one thing that jumps out to me, he is, his quick decision-making is exceptional. Like he dirted that ball yesterday when the, the play blew up and he just dirted it. He, re, you know, he, um, he's very good at like moving out of the pocket and reestablishing his feet and his shoulders. Like he's just mechanically, when I read the scouting on him, and you're a former NFL scout, it was he was sloppy and erratic. I think some of it is Kyle's coach, some of it out of him. Yeah. He looks really, his feet are good, his decision making. He, you know, he straightens himself out. He goes from sideways, quick to the feet. Some of this is Kyle. We got to give Kyle a lot of credit. Yeah. I mean, and I think he has some natural instincts and he's a much better athlete. You know, his 10 time, the 10 yard split in the 40 is the same as Christian McCaffrey's. And Pete said after the game, he said, you know, I didn't realize he was this mobile. I looked over there. I thought it was Fran Tarkington running around. I mean, they, they couldn't. I mean, they, they were chasing them all. Now, the Cowboys, Micah probably does catch him. So he's got to be. But he has a very good understanding of his speed relative to the guy chasing him. And that's something that you can only learn. You know, Trey Lance for an athlete, didn't play very fast. And in fairness to him, how would he? He played one season at a small school. Purdy's used to seeing NFL guys chase him. 
That's a really good and, point. I, I, you know, I'm going to write that down. That's a very good point. I heard the same thing about Trey Lance that he's a power runner, more Cam than Lamar, and that Purdy is a little bit more twitchy than Trey. Yeah. Now, Trey's big, strong, power arm. He's actually kind of the opposite of Purdy, where where Brock is accurate, twitchy, um, quick. Trey is a power arm. His football, his football smarts. The, I mean, to have this offense down like he does is insane. Matt Ryan said it took him a year to figure it out. This guy's in his rookie season. It's 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 pretty crazy to watch. Last but not least, the day ball, Daniel Jones. What he's done with this quarterback to me has a lot of similarities with what Jim Harbaugh did in 2011 with Alex Smith. You know, a high pick who's probably not as talented as the elite guys, but clearly has a lot going for him. You know, Duke guy, Utah guy, smart, big, can move. What he's got going on with Daniel Jones, obviously Minnesota's defense sucks, but just throughout this season, it's been, he's worth his weight in gold to the Giants immediately just doing that. I think the Alex Smith comp's really smart. Um, I think Daniel Jones has a little bit better arm, too. If you watch what they did to him, so over the first, let's say until Thanksgiving, they pulled down the mistakes. They slightly elevated his completion percentage. This is what he did with Josh Allen. They eliminate the mistakes. Uh, They give him some easy layup throws, take some risk out of it with Daniel. Now, Daniel's not Josh Allen athletically, but what they did was, I mean, Daniel led the NFL like in quarterback fumbles the first couple of years. He was a mess. No, he was was turning the ball over nonstop. Reduce that. And then a little more accurate. And then after Thanksgiving, a few weeks after it, then they kind of let him loose. Okay, we're going to go from 24 to 28 to 30. They let him loose. And they did it against the Vikings, the first game. Obviously, Dayball looks at the film and says, this defense, I can let him loose. And they did it again. So this is what worries me about Daniel. His really his two best games of the year, arguably, were against the Vikings. Uh, he had a good game against the Lions. But Carolina ate him up. Dallas ate him up twice. Philadelphia ate him up once. Destroyed Washington him in one ate game, him up yeah. once. I think Daniel's limited. I think we're going crazy right now. I, I think what you do, if you're the Giants, um, they got to get a tight end, a receiver, probably a corner. I wouldn't be. I don't think it's crazy. This sounds nuts. Fifth, sixth round, draft another quarterback. Just, I think, or you franchise tag him, John. I, you, that's more. Yeah, and just figure That's it out. That's more than you want to pay him. But they don't have a ton of huge contracts, right? So Saquon, uh, Dexter Lawrence, but they don't have a lot of big contracts. They're going to rebuild this offensive line. Uh, uh, both their tackles now, Evan Neal and Thomas, are you know cheap. They're going to they're going to draft receivers and tight ends. So this offense outside of Barkley is not very expensive. And he, but he's a free agent, and it's hard. What do you do with running backs? You don't like giving them long term contracts, but damn, he's pretty I think good. you have to keep him because of Daniel's limitations. I agree. I think you have to. Okay, I, I got to hit on one more thing. You might have talked about it on your show today. I didn't see the Lamar Jackson situation, which has clearly gotten weird. And my thought's pretty simple money's all relative. So whether you make 50 grand, and you think you're worth 80, whether you make a million dollars and you think you're worth two, or whether you make 25 million, and you think you're worth 200. Things get weird when their animosity with money comes up. And in sports, when injuries factor in, things got weird in Baltimore. And it, it does feel like enough reporting from people that are in the know that they might have crossed. Like, I wouldn't be stunned if Lamar Jackson is on another team. And usually, you know, you just ride out quarterbacks who are successful. But I, I had some people like, is it crazy? Maybe the Bears are open. They get. You know, Justin Fields, they move on from Lamar. The Bears kind of restart. What about Seattle? They have a power run game. I think you have to, I I think you have to. And and we know John will take some big swings with Pete. I mean, yeah, I I kind of expect him to be on another team, to be honest with you at this point. There's a little Kawhi Leonard here, nonverbal, too much mystery. Um, Family involved, no agent, you know? Yeah, there's just, um, you know, both Kawhi and Lamar thought they were sort of overlooked into college, overlooked out of college. Little chip on their shoulder. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was his call. I didn't like him not being in Cincinnati. 
But, you know, that what's really interesting, John, when you look at Baltimore playing Huntley in Cincinnati, almost pulled that thing off. That <laughs> culture and that that kind of power football, you could go that's the kind where you could bring in a rookie quarterback if he had two or three years starting. I mean, Kenny Pickett at the end of the year, Pittsburgh felt like a playoff team. I think that culture in Baltimore, um, I mean, I really like what Lamar brings to the table, but I could see them starting over and just saying, listen, we, it's not working. By, by the way, would they? what if they went and got Anthony Richardson from Florida? You know, and and they just said, "Listen, we're gonna do what we did with Lamar. We're just gonna get tight ends, running backs, linemen, and defense around him." I could see him doing it. Baltimore's so their culture is so formidable. You're not gonna score much on that defense over the next two years. I mean, they, they took two average Pac-12 quarterbacks and Huntley and Brown and competed <laughs> in games. That's insane. You know, that was those guys couldn't play in the Pac-12. It's crazy. It, you're right. I mean, yeah. So you you see what they do with talent like Lamar. Sure. Well, Colin, let you get on with your night. Fun talking to you. And uh should be a fun week. All right, buddy. Good seeing you. Okay, let's dive into the middle cough mailbag. But before we do, I, I just want to hit on a couple quick things. Uh, I, I probably mentioned it yesterday on Sunday night's pod, but there was a lot going on. Maybe I missed it. I definitely talked about it on Twitter with some people. The final play... For the Minnesota Vikings. I've seen it now several times. My issue always with a situation on fourth down, not in the middle of a game, but at the end of a game, especially in the playoffs, when you run a route or a play, even if the quote-unquote hot route or the underneath is there for a reason, right, to clear out a defender or whatever, that if the quarterback eventually goes there, it's a disaster, And obviously Cousins did. So I put some blame on the coach for calling a play that calls for a guy well be, uh, you know, before the sticks that he would, especially if he's covered, would have to make a miraculous broken tackle, stiff arm. I don't even know to get the first down. Now, when I've rewatched the play, here's another issue I have. And this is the ultimate knock on Kirk Cousins, who has turned in to a really good player. Is Kirk Cousins ever going to be any of the top five, six guys? No. But is he solid somewhere between 10 to 12 and you can win double-digit games and make the playoffs with him every year? Yes. And there's something to be said about that. Minnesota Vikings are going to print cash. They're never going to win the Super Bowl with the guy, but they're always going to be competitive and they should be in the playoffs for the foreseeable future with him playing quarterback. But when you watch the play, now he's about to get hit, but I don't know if he truly feels the pressure. The knock on him in league circles has always been he's very robotic, right? Like, why is Brock Purdy having some success? Because he can make plays, right? Obviously, the top guys, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, you know, Lamar went healthy. Those guys, Herbert, those guys can make plays with their legs. Rodgers forever. They're very athletic, and they can ad-lib on the fly. Because every play call, whether it's fourth down with the season on the line or just some random play call in the middle of a game in the middle of the season, it's not always going to work, right? Sometimes you're going to get wrong looks. Sometimes the defense is going to disguise stuff. It's just football. Plays don't always work, and I need the quarterback to to make some plays. And when you watch that, Cousins goes in to what he's always been, a robot. And when you watch his eyes on that play, it's one, two, boom. And that works the majority of his career because the majority of his football career is not fourth and eight in the playoffs. One, two, not there, got to get rid of the football. He's just very robotic. And that play, to me, symbolizes a lot of, when I say the bad with Cousins, I would say the limitations. It's hard for him to ad-lib on the fly. This is not his deal. And as long as you know that, it's why I put a lot... Like, you're dealing with somewhat of a robot. So when you call a play with that being the option, like, he might go there. You know, somewhat is on the coach to just not call the play. Now, if Cousins audibled into the play or whatever, then obviously I don't know the details of it. 
but I, I cannot call a play without guys at least close to the sticks. On fourth and eight, if I'm running a guy two yards off the line of scrimmage, I mean, that's, that's a long way to go. It, it just is. I saw that Pete Carroll said that he talked to Geno Smith about a contract. Uh, obviously, they finished on Saturday, so they've had the last couple of days to talk, and they, they want him there, and Geno would be smart to stay if they do want him, if they can figure out the financials. And really, when I say figure out the financials, like who's really throwing a lot of bread at Geno? Probably not. Uh, to me, if you could sign him to like a two-year, $50 million deal, paying him 25 a year and guarantee like 25 so basically guarantee one year of it, like who are you competing against for that contract? So you, you, you're compensating a guy who just can throw 30 touchdowns, high character guy, uh, but you're also not like breaking the bank for him. I'm not giving the guy $100 million because go get a $100 million contract on the open market. I bet you can't. Because ultimately, Geno is the ideal bridge quarterback. For a lot of years, bridge quarterbacks were like Mike Glennon, you know, Andy Dalton. Like to me, if for whatever reason, Trey Lance is not on the Niners next year, I would sign Andy Dalton to be Brock Purdy's backup. Like There are certain guys that become backup quarterbacks when they're done starting, and then they're kind of quote-unquote bridge quarterbacks. Alex Smith was one. I think Geno Smith, now we'll see, Alex had done it longer, but if he plays just at a solid level that can you know, put you in the 8-10 to 10 win range, that's an excellent bridge quarterback. And you can still pull the trigger on drafting a guy uh, if you feel you know you like one of them high in the draft because what are they picking fifth? I, I sometimes I got to relook at drafts because it's not the actual teams. You're like oh yeah, they traded with them, they traded with Denver, they traded with the Rams, they traded with the Browns. <laughs> that's a lot. Oh, that that's the Eagles pick. That that happens a lot in this draft. There are a lot of teams drafting in like the top twelve that actually are like in the playoffs or pretty competitive. You're like you know the Lions went nine and eight. They're also oh they got also a pick in the teens. You kind of got to do some mental gymnastics, but by about another month, we'll just know. I mean, I already do, but sometimes when you look at it, you got to kind of mix and match the teams. But I think Geno Smith, assuming that Pete Carroll wants him, which it sure sounds like he does, that they will come to a number that will be far less than what some of these people are talking about. Uh, last, before we dive into a couple of mailbag questions, Harbaugh officially announced that he's staying at Michigan. And he, I think part one of his quotes in his press release was like, you know, there's not a happy, happy or happy, happier or something like that. Basically, like when you're happy, like you got it pretty good. And I, I think he's realized like I got a pretty good deal at Michigan. The Big Ten isn't quite the SEC, but in terms of interest, it's not far behind. The Both those conferences are basically like the NFL light. They do huge television ratings. You get paid a lot of money. You know, you're going to go to the Denver Broncos because I think Mike Kliss, who's boys with Elway and boys all the Denver guys, said that Harbaugh called, uh, I want to say the owner. I mean, technically he's the owner. He's the owner's son-in-law, uh, the dude that's that runs the Broncos, to say he was out. I think they had talked a couple times. Why would you want to Why would you want to mess with a Russell? You know, why would you want to do that? It's just too risky that he's never going to be any good again. And like, th- there's a decent chance that he is, even if he gets some mojo back, he's 75, 80% of what he once was. I-, I got into an argument with a guy on Instagram. I'm not afraid to mix it up on the uh, social media streets and the DMs. He was, he was very mad. He's like, you talk a lot about investing. How about seeing the big picture? Long-term ROI. How can you call the Denver Broncos move a disaster? Because what we saw this year, like typically a guy at 32, 33 years old, doesn't just fall off a fucking cliff. And then when you factor in, he doesn't move like he once was. And part of his deep ball accuracy, like DK Metcalf played a pretty big role in that for three years. So that guy does not exist. You kind of got to be a little bit more of a a surgeon. And that's never really been his deal. It's been ad-libbing. And he's one of the great ad-libbers of all time. And the other thing with Russell is, he pushed back when it's like, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball 35 times a year. So while the, you know, a lot of the analytical nerds were like, let Russ cook. Also, a big part of it was like people, like Russ's people, like, let me cook. He was the guy pushing that narrative. So I, I think Harbaugh made the right decision to not take the Broncos job and just maybe see what's out there next year. Like, I, I don't think he's never coming back to the NFL, but he definitely. 
has a uh, pretty happy situation when it comes to the Michigan Wolverines. Okay, let's dive into a couple of Middlecoff mailbag questions. Fire in those Middlecoff mailbags. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. They're wide open. More than welcome to fire in. I need some questions. I went through and I probably spent like an hour and a half just answering some questions. Uh, no big deal. I had some time on my hands today, Martin MLK Day. So I, I manually answered some of you guys. And, and if some people have asked me questions like a month ago, it like cut me off after two weeks. I, I couldn't keep going back. I don't know what uh, what my man Zuckerberg's doing at the Meta headquarters, but the apps was acting funny. I used to be able to basically go back forever. I'd go back two months and keep answering questions. It, it wouldn't let me do that. Uh, now, you could also blame me. I, I let it go for a while. I, I got to try to like carve a couple hours a week just to answer questions for the ones I don't get. Try to interact with the people. You know what I'm saying? Okay, question. As a Herbert fan, I'm wondering if maybe he's not quite as good as we hope. It's easy to blame coaching and injuries, but if he needs a perfect situation to find success, then we're looking someone akin to Carr or Cousins. Do you think Saturday's loss is mostly a result of coaching? I think there's two ways to look at it. There are people that just want to shit on him to shit on him, and those people are idiots. And you can also say objectively, like, he could be a little bit better. But he has a coach, which I'm not even talking the head coach, the offensive coordinator, who is fireable. And he has a head coach that, you know, by the time you're listening to this, maybe he's fired. If he's not fired, that's insane. Kind of a chaotic situation. Now, Justin Herbert is not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Joe Burrow. So when we say he's really good, like there is a trio of young guys that are in their own little world. But he's proven that he's not far behind them. And the stats for him kind of speak for themselves. He's been excellent. So could they have used, could he have hit the Keenan Allen on the one play? Yes, of course. But this notion that like he stinks or he's underachieving, like there is not a team in the league they would laugh at you if you compared him to Carr or Cousins. They, they, they really would. So I would say he can improve, he can go to another level. Uh, but part of going to another level, like look at Josh Allen, had Brian Dayball. Look at Patrick Mahomes, had Andy Reid. Joe Burrow might just be a freak and doesn't, you know, he had Ogeron and now he's got Zach Taylor. So maybe it doesn't even matter for him. But I would say most guys from Joe Montana to Tom Brady needed some assistance from good coaching. Uh, but by no means is, is Herbert number one or even top three, or really four, but like, let's look at the group. Would you take him over Cousins or Dak Prescott or Derek Carr? Of course you would, right? Would you take him over Kyler or Lamar? You wouldn't even hesitate. So Tom Brady's 60 years old. Aaron Rodgers, when he's on, is better than him, clearly, but he is also 39. He talks about retirement like every other day. So really, the top three guys I listed, and Trevor when he's on, but Trevor can also be off. But, you know, in two years, Trevor could easily be better than Justin Herbert. And that that wouldn't be that crazy. Longtime listener and enjoy your takes. Question for the pod. This is Brock's floor. What are his ceiling possibilities? I mean, with more reps and another offseason working on arm strength and accuracy, sky is the limit, right? I get a lot of questions like, what's your comp? And just texting with buddies on Brock Purdy. There really aren't that many Brock Purdy's, Right. Because he's kind of got the Drew Brees build, but he's pretty damn athletic, right? His 10 time in the 40 was the same as Christian McCaffrey's. And you saw him against Seattle, like he can scramble around. And here's the other thing about his scrambling. I, I say this all the time when it comes to quarterbacks. And I, it's not like I came up with this. I learned this when I was around football in college and the pros. Instincts, instincts, instincts. You can't teach what well, you can through experience. And he has a lot of experience. Four-year starter in the Big 12, multiple-time All-Big 12 first team, and one-time second team. So for three years, he was one of the best two quarterbacks in the Big 12, an offensive conference. So he got a ton of reps, right? His athletic ability, even Pete Carroll was like, I was shocked how athletic he was in person. I thought he was Fran Tarkington. He can really move around behind the pocket. But he's not a runner, right? He's not Lamar, Kyler. That's not really his game. But he can scramble like a younger Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson behind the line of scrimmage, keep his head up and keep making throws. That to me is I didn't realize, not that I, I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of Iowa State football. 
So any of you fans that watch a lot of Big 12 and have seen him play in college, I don't know if he was this mobile in terms of they asked him to do this, but that has been a major, major reason for his success so far in the pros. I mean, he's got 16 touchdowns and four picks. Obviously, he could have thrown a couple more interceptions and he easily could have thrown a couple more picks. So I think it's kind of evened out. I mean, he's a four-to-one ratio right now. But his mobility has been beyond eye-opening. So when you talk about his ceilings, like, I don't see why he couldn't, you know, I mean, it took Kirk Cousins a long time to get going. Dak Prescott, you know, those guys are bigger, but like, Brock's every bit the playmaker. Now, the one thing Brock benefits from is a really good supporting cast, right? I mean, Ayuk's a stud, Debo's a star, Kittle's a star, McCaffrey, Mitchell, studs, Juszczyk's a stud, his offensive coordinator's a stud. He's got, you know, pretty good landing spot. It's also why we bet on Trey Lance. You're like, shit, how do you screw this up? And then we watch him, you know, play four games. Like, God, he really struggles to make plays happen. Brock Purdy gets in there immediately, plays start happening. You either make plays or you don't. As Charles Woodson once said when I was around the Raiders when he was there, work hard and make plays. Right? There's just a couple things that is demanded in football. You come every day ready to grind, and then when the game starts, make shit happen. Like, no one really, you can give excuses all you want. Like, you either make plays or you don't after a while. And Brock Purdy just makes plays. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming. It's not like I would have bet the house on this, but it's happening. We're all seeing it. Uh, just listen to Sunday's episode. I'm glad someone finally said it. Tony Dungy is a wet towel of commentary. Even when he was on set, he would make bland statements providing minimal insight. Some people have pushed back to me that uh, that Al Michaels was also terrible. And maybe I didn't notice because I, I've re-listened to some of the calls. They weren't great. I'll be honest. They were not great. He was, I wouldn't say comatose, but he definitely didn't have all the juice. I do think your partner in crime in a booth when it comes to play-by-play guys, impacts your energy. Now, Al's old. And Jags, Chargers, Al's in a lot of bigger games than that. But the game turned out to be really good, and he wasn't great. But I cannot get away from blaming the dudes at NBC for putting on one of the most boring human beings. If I wanted someone to talk to my team, or give me leadership advice, or coach a team, or you know, talk about the Bible, Tony Dungy might be your man. But not everyone is meant to have a mic in front of their mouth. Because having a mic in front of your mouth, you got to entertain. You got to have a little something to you. And say what you want about Tony Romo, there's a lot of energy there. Greg Olson feels very well prepared. Troy Aikman, damn good at his job. Herb Street with college, damn good at his job. John Smoltz, we can go around the horn here and pick a lot of guys that are good with a mic in front of them. If you're a golf guy, for every Johnny Miller was just, he had it. Because he wasn't afraid to say whatever. That's it's this is an entertainment property. And NBC, whoever the you know coastal elite that put Tony Dungy on the broadcast, I, I'm sure they'll be like, well, it did a historic rating on on Saturday night. I could bend over and talk like Ace Ventura with my butt cheeks, and the rating would be wouldn't be impacted. It does not matter. Now, obviously, having a better crew. You know, Burkhart and and Olsen are good. Joe Buck and Aikman are good. But we're watching football regardless. Look at the ratings. There are a lot of bad crews all over the NFL, and we consume it anyway. So to throw Tony Dungy, you have an ability to hire anybody. Any young up-and-comer, any solid former player who's done it before. I, there are a million options. To put him there, I thought was insane. I, I, I thought it was malpractice. I thought it was an embarrassment for us, the consumer, who give our time. And I say it all the time. Like I'm not being sarcastic here. Our time is the most valuable thing we have. And we give a lot of it to the NFL. And in big games, historically, they've given us Madden. They've given us Al Michaels. They've given us Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I like Collinsworth, Tarico. These are big-time guys. Say what you want about Gruden. He was entertaining there for a while. You can't give me Tony Dungy with all the marbles on the line. On my Saturday night. Now, I do this for a living. I got no choice. And some of you, you're addicts. You ain't going to miss it. But for some people, you're like, God, it's kind of boring watching this guy. Luckily, the game, you know, made up for it. But holy cannoli. <laughs> That's just, how does that happen? Okay, adios. Fire in those DMs at John Middlecoff. And um, we will see you later in the week. Peace. Peace. <laughs>
the volume. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.